Welcome to episode 314 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. I keep wasting money on services that I don't actually need. I wish they'd tell me how to avoid doing this again and again as I build my business. Does this sound like you? What if you could access a community of entrepreneurs and the content you need to grow your business for just $25 a month? I, I didn't make a mistake there. I mean just $25 a month. It's time to avoid common mistakes made by entrepreneurs as they're getting started or launching new programs and services. If you join the Content and Connection Club, you'll get mastermind and networking opportunities with fellow entrepreneurs every Friday, answers to your specific questions during these live sessions, online discussion forums on topics that will help you grow your business, and access to courses and content that I've created that you can dive deeper into at any time. And yes, It's only $25 a month. Now, you might be wondering, why is it so low when the value is obviously 10 times as much? Well, this is my way of giving back to the community to help me launch a thriving multi six-figure business when my pre-pandemic business was shuttered. It's because of them that I even realized that I could become a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer. In fact, half the proceeds of membership fees is donated to Feeding America because they provide critical support to food banks across the United States and feed our neighbors facing food insecurity. Last year, we donated $2,500. Since 2020, I produced their virtual events and in 2022 began supporting their in-person events as an event design strategist. Join us in the club and get access to weekly masterminds and all the content you need to become more successful. Sign up at contentandconnectionclub.com and reach out to ask about my private business growth strategy coaching packages. Again, that's contentandconnectionclub.com. Now, on to this week's interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Thrilled to have you here, Replay viewers. Uh, I'm excited to continue the journey of recording live on the Schmooze interviews. This will be rebroadcast as part of my podcast in January, but stick around for a great interview. Let me tell you who we have today as our guest. Today's guest helps launch new companies, create new brands, and refresh existing identities by bringing strategic expertise to design and marketing. Her studio, Agency Bell, helps companies launch and grow by creating their identities from strategy to logos, websites, and social media. She is known for coining the concept of conscious branding, helping her clients succeed by focusing on being responsive and responsible to their customers and communities. She's worked with both Fortune 50 companies and startups. She served 10 years on the Boston Board of Directors at AIGA and Professional Design Organization, and currently serves as the executive officer of the board for the New Art Center and as the marketing chair for a national health advocacy organization. Please join me in welcoming Laura Souter. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Laura, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining us from the Boston area. I know where you are in Milton. You're not far from the chocolate factory buildings. I had friends who lived over there. Yeah. yeah. 
Very cool. I lived in Boston for 20 years, so it's always fun to talk to someone from that area. You're on a show that is all about building strong networks, but the context is leadership. So how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Um, Thanks for that question. Um, So I was a natural born leader. Um, Sixth grade, I would say I joined student government. Um, My I was the vice president of student government. My president was Nora Daly. She was the mayor's child. (laughs) So I was in leadership with the the mayor's daughter. Um, I've just always plugged in. And that's really what I would call leadership is just really plugging in. Um, It it really wasn't in order to look good or feel good. It, It just, I wanted to be involved. I wanted to take part, join forces, Um, kind of be at um, the source of the action, if you will, um, and not be on the sidelines. I I love to play. I love to um, connect. And leadership for me is, you know, is really that um, connection between uh, playing, which is engaging and um, bringing things forward, you know, like not just being on the stands, but like being in the game. So, I mean, I've just always been, you know, even in, as a child, parts of the clubs, you know, like, you know, the French club or whatnot, and just always joined the group that was making that club happen. Um, so, I mean, even you mentioned the boards. I mean, I don't just join the boards. I'm always like on the executive team. You know, I just, um, you, you're a networking podcast. So I'm part of a networking group. The first role I got was as the president. So it just, you know, it just doesn't, it, it comes easily to me. I like it. And I feel like I'm more successful when I'm at the leadership helm of whatever it is that I'm doing. It's fascinating to hear that you've always been in that way. Um, that even way back in sixth grade, um, there you were. And, and if, if not for the mayor's daughter, you may have actually been president. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> there was some name I, recognition there. Yeah. Yeah, you were fighting uh, against. <laughs> I know she was. She was a strong little little thing. Yeah, she, you know, she sixth grade. She she knew how to stand proud and uh, and lead for sure. Um, I learned a lot from her actually. Um, I don't know what she's doing. Maybe she's like you know a we'll senator. Find out. Or, no, a now senator. we'll find out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely do some research. So listen, I think what's cool is that you know there's some evidence of you early on stepping up not just to sort of be a joiner, but to join and lead in an organization. And you're talking about how it feels comfortable. It feels right. You're your best self. If you're part of the group that is really making things happen, like keeping things going. I'm curious how that came to be. I mean, understanding uh, we can kind of look at the mayor's daughter and think, oh, they must have a home life or witness like what their parent did to like achieve. And so that could have set up for an environment. So what was the environment you had that was putting you know you in a place where in grade school and grammar school here you are you know looking for these opportunities or opportunities are being handed to you or teachers are seeing you and, and saying go do this thing like who was the inspiration for you or who saw that potential in you so i had a very powerful mom i was raised by a single mom um and she i mean i obviously didn't know all these stories when i was young but i mean she um she did things that most women of that day did not do. I mean, she bought a house, she went back to work. Um, You you know, most women, when they had their child, 
didn't go back to work. Um, so when she used to work for the University of Chicago, and so she came back with a baby there said, Oh, you know, I'm so happy for you You have a new baby, you know, have a good life. She's like, No, I'm still going here. Like, don't, <laughs> you know, you have to take me back. And she's like, I'm head of household. So um, I mean, she was a very strong, you know, independent go getter. Um, but I think mostly because I was an only child, like I was an only child, you know, I had a great home life, but like I wanted to get out and like do stuff and be with people and connect with people. And um, I wasn't, you know, content just being on the, in, on the sidelines, as I mentioned, I wanted to be in the mix. And um, I think really because I was a, a you know, a one, a, you know, I was that one little egg in the basket, you know, I wanted to get out <laughs> and mix. Yeah. And, and you clearly sought out the opportunities. You had someone who was not holding you back um, because you had a parent who was leading by example, even though you didn't know the stories at the time, clearly yeah. you know, she had a belief in herself. She wanted you to have that belief in yourself. Um, right. I mean, it's really cool. And, and clearly those early forays into leadership went well enough that right. it didn't burn you out on the idea of doing it. Cause I think that's the other thing is if, you know, you're young and you try something a little out of your comfort zone and it, you know, it doesn't go so well, but like for you, it went well enough that you sought out more opportunities. And did you mention that you ran for other uh, offices and in, in later in high school as well? Um, so I was part of clubs. I think, you know, really um, where things really started getting interesting was our high school had, our last semester of senior year, we could do what's called a May project. And we could, uh, you know, join with a company or an organization that was kind of in the vein of where we wanted to go professionally in our future. And so I opened up the phone book, which that's what we had in those days. And my uh, sixth grade English teacher said I'd be really good at advertising. So I opened up the A's, I looked through advertising, and I called the phone number that was the biggest ad in the phone book. And I called J. Walter Thompson. And so that's a very large multinational ad agency. I called, a gentleman answered. I said, I am Laura at the time, Stryker of the University of Chicago High School, and I'm looking for an internship. And this uh, gentleman said, oh, let me connect you with HR. And I said, thank you very much, Mr. Thompson. And, you know, here I am. I get the internship. I take the Jeffrey Express up Michigan Avenue in Chicago. And I'm like, 900 Michigan Avenue. Oh, it's the John Hancock building where they had 12 floors. And little did I know as this 18 year old, I had an internship with this amazing organization, multinational, and of course got many connections. And so I just kept doing that in college. Every summer I interned in Paris, Seattle, New York City. And I just did the do, I wrote the letter. I got internships with, you know, magazines in New York and design agencies in Paris. And, you know, I just didn't think I, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that I couldn't do it. I just did it. How many times did you get rejected in the process of reaching out? <laughs> I mean, like that first one happened, yeah, which is amazing. And I, I kind of want to circle back on that. But when you were doing subsequent summers, how, how much work did you have to put into it? Uh, the Paris one was the, the, was the last summer of college. And that one, I, I probably got the most no's from some of it was a language barrier. Even though I speak French, I wrote like, you know, every design firm in the city and some of them were like automotive design or like, you know, 
industrial design or something that had nothing to do with the type of design I do, which is graphic design. And so, um, you know, they were very polite. They all wrote me letters. They were so like, you know, they were so thrilled that this, you know, young person in America wanted to work for them. And, you know, the one I got, you know, was perfect. I mean, it was, you know, but I had a stack of thank yous, but no thank yous for sure. Wow. I mean, there's, there's so much to like glean from this for our listeners about um, can do, believe in yourself, perseverance. I mean, no holds barred. There's, I mean, I don't know. There's like all these cliches coming into my head when I think <laughs> yeah. about it. Whereas, I mean, in some ways, the naiveness you had at 18 is, is something that helps you. I had an interesting experience in um, grad school. I had to find an internship and um, I didn't want any of the ones that were in I, my first year. I did the one that was in the book. You know, they had a whole book full of them. And the yeah. second year I knew I didn't want to do any of those. So I spent a lot of time trying to line up my own. And they basically said, if you can't find one by this date, you're going to have to pick something from the book. And I got invited to be the New York state coordinator of a national campaign because the person who was going to have that role became the national coordinator and the organization didn't have funds <laughs> for someone to come in and, you know, and I had sort of poked my head so many times like into their worlds that they, my name, my, my business card was coming out of everyone's pocket. My, my handmade <laughs> printed on dot matrix on construction paper and cut, cut out with scissors business cards, I might tell you. I love um, it. And I didn't know what I was walking into at the end of that year. My boss in that role said I would never have taken the role on myself. Like <laughs> the politics, so the personalities, you know, but when you don't know and you just throw yourself in, I mean, you kind of can get really far because you're not jaded about how life works. But by yeah. the time you get into your third and fourth year of trying to reach out, like, I think you now have a different understanding of what's needed. But you did it and you like you built yourself, designed yourself a world, like a, a worldly experience every Absolutely. year of, of college, um, which I mean, I don't know if I've met anyone who's done that unless it's, it was built in like Northeastern University in Boston has totally. that built in. But for you to kind of craft it yourself at that age is is tells a lot about who you are and that you were interested enough to pursue that. Um, did you did you discover along the way things you didn't want to do because you had been exposed to certain careers or opportunities? And you're like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. Did it help you sort of say no to some things going forward? Um. Yes and no. I mean, I thought I, I definitely loved all of my internships. The Seattle internship was with a, a sports magazine or a sports company. They made all of the posters that are for all of like the NFL and the, you know, the baseball league, etc. Um, but they also had a magazine called Sports Washington and did a lot of work with the University of uh, Washington, um, Washington State. So I mean, I'm not really a sports person, so sorry, everybody, but I'm not a sports person, but I learned a lot and it was definitely a different, I learned a lot because also the people who worked there were sports people, you know, so I just, I just learned about a whole nother demographic of individuals and, and that was very interesting. Um, I got to test out like, you know, like different geographic areas, which was interesting. Like I, you know, Seattle and New York are very, very different and they both like appealed to me. And so really I had such a difficult time picking between Seattle and New York. And even the morning that I moved to New York City, I was like, oh, I'm moving to the wrong city. But they both, you know, for very different reasons called to me. And I think 
um, I think it's really good for people to do internships in different areas. Um, I have a senior in college daughter and she's, you know, doing an internship literally down the street for her, you know, from her university. I think it's good to like break away and go somewhere. So try out different things, learn about a different type of, of, you know, person, you know, different culture perhaps, or different type of, you know, community. Um, it's not just the job. It's also the culture that I think is so interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Most people, if they leave their hometown, it's because they went away to college and then they moved to that area yeah. of where and the just, college is. Cause that's the only other thing they know. Right. And it was better than home for whatever reason. Yeah. But, just to, but then they come back. <laughs> yeah. So for you to have experience living for a while in these different places, I think you're right. It adds a depth to your understanding of how the world works, that there are so many different kinds of people in the world. Some people are more like you. Some people are less like you. Um, right. You might like the work, but not like the kind of people you work with or, exactly. you, might, you know, like the people and it's like not quite the right work. When you were yeah. 12, did you have the clarity at 12 years old of the work you wanted to be doing or did that sort of happen a little later into college and, or into um, high school? So I mentioned I went to the University of Chicago lab school. This is a very like, you know, science uh, driven um, college prep uh, school community. Long story short, I was the art, the artsy fartsy one, you know, so I went to school with people who were studying like quasars and I was like, let's draw, let's paint. Um, so I knew I was different and I didn't really know what to do with that. And thankfully, as I mentioned, my sixth grade English teacher, she's like, you're really, really, really good at with words, but you you have that unique quality where you're really good at visuals and words and you should consider advertising, which of course I didn't know what that was. Later in high school, I started doing commercials and I was behind the scenes. And so I would do the bite and smile. You know, they're, they're taking video and, you know, pictures of me, Sarah Lee, you know, um, uh, Captain Crunch, Domino's Pizza. Like I did, you know, I did commercials. So I got to know about advertising from that angle. And then, of course, um, you know, pursued the, the marketing, you know, side of things and, found my home because I really like, you know, during high school, I was like, I was a good student, but I just didn't gravitate towards math and science the way I did towards the visual arts for sure. Yeah. And the world was evolving very quickly. What That's that true. even meant, right? Because right. advertising was changing dramatically, like, you know, every five years, you know, what was measured, what was a metric, what mediums were possible. I mean, you're really coming into it um, at a really interesting inflection point, I think, in advertising as well. Um, Absolutely. Was it I mean, focused on a job? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, very quickly, like my age is very interesting. So in 1993, when I graduated from college, that's when Wired Magazine came out. So every internship that I had, like, for example, I mentioned New York City and the, um, the magazine that I interned for, they they were leaving traditional um, paste up and going to the computers, but they didn't know how to use the computers. So here was this young person, you know, Laura, who knew the computers, even though, you know, we weren't even officially being taught that at school because, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't formed enough. So every time I had an internship, they were making these big changes for them in their technology. And, you know, even in my first job, I worked for Town & Country Magazine and I was in charge of production and they still did separations. You know, we were talking about 
color correction with a marker on a on a on a you know on a digital proof, not even a digital proof, a, a layered proof. I forget what they're called. Not Ruby Lith. Anyway, you, and you're saying you know bring in a little bit of the magenta in her cheeks, lower the cyan in the shadow. I mean, you're 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 handwriting all these changes, whereas now it's like Photoshop and it takes two seconds. So, I mean, this is this was the day I was growing up in. Yeah, and you are on the forefront of that. So you're also getting a chance to learn it and specialize in, in a way because you're new, you're eager, you're not, you're not like stuck in the way things always have been. You're, you know, there's an openness. It, I think the timing of you emerging into this career path is is very interesting. Others might not have seen it, though. I mean, I think that it has to do with sort of who you've always been. Right. seeking out opportunities to step forward into some sort of leadership role, which could be a formal role, or it could just be like, oh, sure, I'll take that on. Uh, did you know going into college, that, like you started figuring out this advertising path, is that actually what you did? Did you go into advertising out of college I, and have like a J-O-B and focus on a career? I did. Um, so I did apply to art school, um, but my both of my parents were academics and I felt like I needed a liberal arts you know, experience. So I went to the University of Wisconsin and had a general ed, um, but then I specialized in art. So my, my degree is in graphic design, but with the graphic design degree, I wasn't doing all that important strategic thinking that I wanted to be doing. So I did a dual degree with journalism and, you know, journalism wasn't very creative. My, my creative degree was obviously very creative but they didn't have the thinking component. And I think today's programs are way smarter, but in my day, it was either just the visual arts or journalism. And I, as you know, you know, loved the idea of working in magazines and that was my first job was in magazines. So I, I really truly combined journalism and art and that was my first few years of, of post-grad work. So at some point you decide that the security or relative assumed security of having a job, <laughs> which mm. I think as the mergers and acquisitions world has happened in the recession, we're all like, oh, they're not as secure as we thought. But uh, you decide to start doing something entrepreneurial. And, it, and in some ways, this doesn't surprise me because you're being very entrepreneurial even within a job setting. Right. Did this start out as a side hustle? Did you know other entrepreneurs? Like how you find those first few people to pay you? Like what were the beginning roots oh, of you creating your own thing? I love this question. So I was a reluctant entrepreneur for sure. And here's the story. So I was living in Michigan. I was a creative director of Borders Books when they were around. And so I had a very big job. I had a staff. I had, you know, 1,200 stores nationwide. And then I had a baby. And my ex-husband now, uh, my now ex-husband, he uh, got a new job in Massachusetts. So here I am with a 14-week-old baby, and I live in Massachusetts. Around this time, uh, September 11th happened. So my, um, my inclination was to go from one big job to the next big job. And I was interviewing at Putnam Investments. I got um, an opportunity for, I don't know, an art director job there. And September 11th happened that organization lost, unfortunately, a lot of lives, and they just put a hiring freeze on all roles. And so I had no job. 
I had an au pair moving here from Sweden to take care of my children or child. And I was like, okay, Laura, you're creative. Let's do this. And I started my own business. And I started it in suburban Boston, didn't know anyone. And so what I did was I joined the board of the American Institute of Graphic Arts and started to hobnob and make connections. I was, um, you know, on their website as a leader in Boston in design. And so that really helped me. It, it grounded me. It gave me a home of other professionals. And what I did was we did not have at the time a um, professional development curriculum through AIGA. So I started that. And um, so I, I was teaching through the people, the speakers I was bringing in. I was teaching other small business owners how to do a better job being a small business owner. And of course, I chose every topic that I needed to know because I knew nothing about running my own business. I learned about starting, you know, making your own marketing plan. I did workshops on all of these types of things that benefited obviously many people, but also benefited me. So I, I did that for um, nine years. And so that was the first nine years of my business. Okay. We got, we got to pause there just because there are some amazing takeaways in what you just said. Um, I mean, first of all, you know, there's the, um, you know, back up against the wall, need to do something. Okay, fine. I will try something on my own moment that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are born of that moment of that desperation of being laid off or of a recession. Um, and I have met so many people who like their, their uh, business really started during a downturn in the economy. We, we just saw in the middle of the pandemic, like so many people who focus on building businesses. So there, that, there's that sort of story arc. But then your decision to join an organization and not just join, because you're <laughs> Laura, but to figure out and actually create your own leadership role that, as you said, benefited a lot of people, but specifically gave you the kind of business education you were lacking, but yep. also put you in touch with amazing content creators and producers and speakers and uh, experts in their fields who are now, you know, my they're, my your, buddy, my they're your friends, they're your relationships, not just with yeah. the organization. Um, I always joke that um, people don't um, grasp the benefit of being the person who drives someone to or from an airport when there's yep. an external outside speaker, like be the first person to say, no, I don't care what time it is. I'm going to, I'll do that because you're going to get all that extra time in the car with that person. If you do it right, that's going to be a good start to a great relationship. So I, it sounds like you were sort of taking that instinctively, taking advantage of that opportunity. Um, and so, I mean, this so it's such a smart networking move for people who are like, well, I'm starting from scratch. I mean, literally, you're like in the middle of a new community. You have no local network. You know, vir virtual and online networking isn't really a thing. <laughs> not at all, right? You know, like, what are you gonna do? It's it's not like you can take off to another uh, internship in some far off place. You've got a kid. You have to be stable in your environment. You know, exactly. so you went to the organization. So that's just awesome. I I needed to underscore that. Thank you. So, um, what kind of clients and what kind of service did you initially provide? Like when you were because you experienced a lot of different work over over your career by that point. How right. did you decide this is the thing I'm going to really put forward as the thing I sell? Um, it was pretty easy because I had just come from a, well, I was a creative director for two years, but before that I was a big, big agency person. So I was in New York City. I had done 
global campaigns. So here I am, I'm going on my own. And I really considered myself like, you know, an agency, even though I was just one person, definitely not a freelancer. That was a big no-no word for me. I was never, and I never have I ever been a freelancer. I have always been a agency, even though it's just me, I am an agency. <laughs> so there was that kind of belief system of like, I'm not a freelancer, I'm an agency consultant. And so I considered myself, I did a whole exercise on who I was, who I wasn't. And I came up with like this visual of like mighty mouse, you know, like, I, okay, I'm not the biggest, but I am exactly like them because I have been them, you know, literally two years before I was them. And I had obviously lower costs. I worked for myself. I, I had a very nice home at the time. So I worked out of a bedroom um, of my, my home, but it was very, um, it was very professional. And so, you know, I, I did what the agency that I had come from did. I did brand strategy and brand design, and it was just those two things. So helping co companies be clear on who they were, who they weren't and where they were going, usually companies in transition and then fulfilling on whatever that design need was whether it be a new logo or a new website or uh, uh, an advertising campaign or whatever it is that our challenge was, but it was brand strategy and brand design. And that's And it. those early clients, did they come from your existing network? Was it people you'd previously worked with? Was it new people? Like how did you find the first people who understood your vision? Sure. Um, it was a collection of that. So I had um, thankfully a couple of uh, clients from my New York days one was a furniture manufacturer. Another one was in the financial services realm. I had, um, through my ex-husband, I had new um, connections in the biotech world because obviously Boston's very strong in financial services and biotech. And so through his industry contacts, I made some new, um, really good contacts and that really helped me a lot. So I got a couple of biopharmaceutical um, clients that way. And then also... The good old fashioned way, like I was getting my hair done at the local salon. I said, listen, you know, do you guys need to do advertising? And literally I did their photography, their design, all their advertising placement in, you know, Boston newspapers and, and periodicals. And, you know, I, so I had, you know, small business owner clients in those days. And then I had like Biogen. So it was very, yeah. it was very different, you know, like the, the types of clients were very different at the time. They're much more niche now. That's actually what I wanted to ask you is how has that changed? Because it sounds like service-wise, you're providing very similar things still, like brand awareness, brand design, and then the implementation of what that campaign is, like the the material pieces of that. But, it, but it's sounding like you maybe are a little more focused on the who. Yeah, I think I am. I mean, have I, you know, taken others? Of course, but what really excites me are um, two kind of general areas. One is health and home. So health still can include, you know, the, the biotechs, but it can also be, you know, an organic food company, um, a yoga studio, you know, it's a little broader. And then the home, I've always enjoyed the home connection. So I worked for House Beautiful. I worked for Town & Country. I've... Um, uh, early in my business, I collected many um, clients who were in like, you know, lighting design, rug design, uh, aspects of the home. 
And so I really understand how to market to people in that way that has, that has continued into the service providers. So architects, interior designers, fine home builders. So health and home, those are the Mm -hmm. two kind of buckets that I serve. It sounds like you've also early on when you were trying to figure out who you were and who you were not. And as you've refined, you're very reflective about like self-reflective about the business that you're creating and the opportunities you're seeking and that you've you've used that to sort of navigate forward. You've also really leaned heavily, it sounds like, into your network. And that's something that I'm always keenly interested in. Like, how does the network help you at these different stages? I mean, obviously, early on, the challenge is just finding businesses and getting your business set up. And you solve that by creating a series mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. that would help you and help others. As you think about your network, there's like the inner circle, the people that you know you're going to stay in touch with or catch back up with pretty with ease. But then there's like the second and third tier or second and third layers out, the people that you might see once a year at a conference or you work with them five years ago, but you haven't had a reason to since. I should mention you like these people. They like you. <laughs> uh, how do you think about nurturing and sustaining those kinds of weaker connections? Is there anything, any habits, philosophies, practices? Um, all, all of the above. So um, early in, in my practice, I had what I coined or considered like the power of 10. Um, so I'd make 10 outreach calls uh, or connections a day. Some of them might be new. Some of them might be, you know, oh, we met at the conference last year. How are you doing? Or one of those influencers from my professional development series. Hey, I noticed you wrote a new book. Tell me more about it. And then obviously, you know, hopefully talking more about potential other business leads, et cetera. I've, I've always been very relationship driven and I never got trained in sales. So my sales approach has always been super soft and very relationship driven. Um, I fall in love with my clients. Um, I think my clients fall in love with me. Uh, and so, you know, even if we are, 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 have rolled off of a project because what I do is sometimes, especially in the beginning, I I built a brand. Now they're off and running. See you later. Um, But, you know, I'll, I'll call in, you know, a year. How, how's it going? Tell me more about, you know, how, how the brand has been doing for you. Um, I, I love catching up with people. And, um, and um, so that's never been a challenge Um, in the early earlier days of my uh, business. I myself became a single mom And so I didn't feel that spaciousness of like a lot of evening networking or the BNIs or that type of thing. I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel like I could fulfill on those um, commitments, but now I, you know, years later, I am a major go-getter in terms of networking. Um, I did join a BNI. Um, I took that very seriously and um and other networking groups as well just to really be connected women's conferences other professional conferences um i'm always kind of connecting with people i mean the the 10 a day thing that you started with that's an interesting thing because you actually said call did you mean actually a phone call because, and I'm assuming so, because the timing of when you're saying this, but like, I think that most people even today are like reluctant to just randomly calling people, but, um, you, you had the time. So you're like, this is how I'm going to get my name out there, right? Like yeah. you're going to be proactive about getting 
into conversations with people, like you said, building the relationship, seeing how you can support people, letting them know you saw the thing that happened or you heard about their book. And, um, and then, you know, part of that was also constraints around your time, you know, being being a single mom, but now you're able to be more engaged, um, taking advantage. I mean, it sounds like you're really thoughtful about professional development and how those professional development opportunities are also networking opportunities. Like you're somehow double wins for those kinds of engagements. Absolutely. Um, I think, um, I think professional and personal development are so important. Um, one of the things that has made me so comfortable is mindfulness and, you know, really trying to work through any of those insecurities. Cause as you mentioned, a lot of my early success was my naivete and now I'm a lot older than 18 and I have to kind of remind myself I can do it sometimes. And so by being grounded, by being um, really, you know, in my body, uh, confident, you know, doing some either, you know, whether they be mantras or possibilities or whatever. I mean, just like reminding myself I can do it. And sometimes calling people is hard, you know, especially if it's a lead or some, you know, something that's not a certainty. Like, why do they want to hear from me? Well, why not? Why wouldn't they want to hear from me? You know, and kind of turn it around. Like, you know, I might have, I might make their day. <laughs> I love that. That is that is a really positive uh, affirmations, you know, mindset shift to have. And a lot of us talk ourselves out of any kind of opportunity because we don't we don't even take it. We just sort of walk away from it. And that's I always say like if you overthink the how, what to say when you're gonna go say hello to someone in a room and you're like, but you know, I can't remember what I can't remember exactly how I know them. Am I thanking them, congratulating them? Like why are they look familiar to me? You know the worst opening line is the one you don't get to take because by the time you figure it out, you look up, that person's no longer there. Right. Right. Like that's that's the the complete miss. And so for you to sort of psych yourself up a little bit into you know, not only can you do it, but you have a history of doing it. Right. You know, it gets easier also as you get older. It's no longer naivete, it's not based on reality. Right. You've you you've had a lot of swings at bat. I'm not a sports person either. But, <laughs> but, I get but it. a lot of them have connected. Like you've done well um often enough to keep going and trying out those those methods. And you're also willing to, to try slightly different methods, not be stuck on something. Uh, I think there's a nimbleness to how you sort of move through the world and react to the world, but you're also incredibly proactive and not surprising you're doing really well with what you're doing today. I would love to hear, this is like my, my wrap-up question, um, my, one of my favorite questions. So, Laura, I know you and I are going to stay connected, and you're doing such cool things in the world that when I see you a year from now, and I realize it's been a year since you and I have had this conversation, I'm going to ask you, hey, what's been going on? What are you celebrating? That's what I want to know. What are you going to share with me? What's the big news of a year from now? What are you most looking forward to? Well, um, a couple of weeks ago, I started writing a book. So I will be telling you that I successfully published my book and I'm, you know, on the stage talking about my new book. So that's exactly what I'll be saying a year from now. <laughs> Are you willing to say a little more about what the book is about? Yeah, it's, um, it's if you've heard of StoryCorps from NPR, it's, it's um, stories about food and why we cook the way we cook and those love stories that are passed down from generation to generation and and really just about the um i mean 
the love of cooking, people who just find joy in cooking and what that means for them and how they share it. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to celebrate that with you. It sounds like an incredible <laughs> book to share with the world. It's a, really, it's a hopeful book. It's an inspiring book. That's a yummy book. That's another word they're thinking <laughs> about. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait for all that to happen. How can people find you and follow your work? So I have a website um, and um, it's my name, Agency Bell. So um, Agency Bell has only one L dot com. And then on social media at Agency Bell, one word. Um, on Instagram, um, on LinkedIn, you can find me Laura Souter. And then my business page is um, linked there. Um, of course, on Facebook, but um, LinkedIn is a really good place as well as my website. Fantastic. And I welcome connections. I, I love it. Yeah, I people reach out. Let people, people listening, let Laura know that you heard this interview and what sort of stood out for you or that you want to get on her launch team for her book which is going to be amazing. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Laura, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. This has been so, so wonderful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Laura. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 314. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe or follow for free so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week. We're going to be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry, despite the challenges they faced. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.